Hello, I'm Scott Combs. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night to discover a spider has laid an egg in your stomach and it hatched and thousands of tiny spiders are now making their way up your throat and out of your mouth? Well, that's nothing compared to how I feel when I listen to G'day World on the podcast network. You're listening to the podcast network. Listen, learn, evolve. You can. You ready to kick out the jams, motherfucker? I gotta kick him out. I probably have to pay someone royalties for doing that, don't I? I don't know, but you've had too much coffee again, haven't you? I have, mate. How you doing, Rich? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm a little bit hyped up, as you can probably tell. It's a big day today in uh, the life of TPN, mate. Big day. Is it? Yeah. Why? I can't say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't say. I'm under NDAs. <laughs> you know, I cannot say I'm under NDA. So you can say you'd just get sued. Well, I'd just probably screw shit up. (laughs) Have you seen this 9-11 Pentagon video bullshit? I've only just got on the web and seen there's a bunch of exciting news today, but I haven't seen that one. What is it? Well, here's the story. Um, An organisation called Judicial, Judicial Rights Watch, I think. Let me just uh, check on that. Uh, Judicial Watch. It's a non-profit public interest law firm in the US dedicated to fighting government bullshit. And uh, back in like 2004, they uh, launched a Freedom of Information Act claim saying that they wanted the video that the government, US government claimed to have of the plane crashing into the Pentagon on September 11th. Is that your phone or mine, dude? No, I'm just checking. I think it's your phone. Really? Or maybe it's just checking the base station. We're cool. We're cool, motherfucker. We're cool. Be cool, nigga. Um... Oh, get into Ben Barron style trouble if I use the N word. I can use the C word on the show, but don't use the N word. Get into all sorts of trouble. <laughs> I grew yes. up watching Tarantino films. I got to use the N word. That's what happens. Why are yeah, the diff- my levels are now very low? Are my levels low? Do I sound low to you? Uh, just let me check my side slightly. All right, how about that? Do I sound better now? Turning it up, pushing it up, pushing it Much up? Much better. Yep, that's good. Not peaking, though? I'm not sounding gritty? No. God damn. Uh, so anyway, Judicial Watch uh, launched this thing saying, we want the footage of the American Airlines Flight 77 supposedly crashing into the Pentagon. Because, you know, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of conspiracy theories in the last five years. Uh, There's plenty of websites dedicated to the conspiracy theories. Yeah, and I've covered it on my blog over the years as well. You know, there's a lot of people were saying, 
Well, look, uh, the hole in the Pentagon doesn't look like the kind of hole that you would expect a plane to make. B, where's the wreckage? There was no wreckage. And the, you know, the official authorities were saying, well, uh, it all blew up. There's no wreckage because it uh, just all blew up. And there was a number of people on the scene at the time that claimed to be eyewitnesses to say that, yes, we saw the plane crash. Then there was other people who were like firefighters and whatever that were, you know, in the hole, you know, within minutes after the supposed crash saying there was nothing there. You know, there was. So the theories have been, oh, maybe it was a missile that hit, um, bombs went off, all this kind of stuff. So anyway, Judicial Watch, uh, 2004 said we want copies of the video. And last night, US time, the Pentagon finally released the video that they have from some security cameras two different angles of this thing, right? And uh, it's bullshit, man. It is absolute bullshit. It does not <laughs> look like a Boeing 757. Now, not that I consider myself a world's leading expert on what a Boeing 757 looks like when it crashes, but two things. Hey, my next-door neighbour just said the books have arrived. Woohoo! <laughs> ah, We the Media. My copy of We the Media by Dan Gilmore has finally arrived. Ah, really? Yeah. My next-door neighbour and I are putting in, like, joint, uh, you know... Amazon orders, <laughs> try and cut down on postage. <laughs> is that like carpooling, book pooling? It it's book pooling. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, by the way, I've been yeah, anyway. Let me don't let me get sidetracked. Um, remind me, I need to talk about the world is flat a bit later on. Um, so anyway, this video for it, it's kind of I don't know what these security cameras take, but it's like um, you know maybe a, a, an image a second or an image every half second or something like that. So it's fairly staccato. And you don't, uh, you, at one stage you see this long white tube, and then the next minute there's just a fireball coming up. So, uh, but the long white tube doesn't look like a plane to me. It looks more like a missile, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do I know? Oh. But it, it looks dodgy, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, okay. So I saw a video oh, last year sometime on a website that was really, really dodgy, but I'm, I'm looking at one of the... I'm just looking at a still shot at the moment, and it does look like a different shot. But this this was like, a, you know, a bit far away, a bit fuzzy. Uh, it couldn't really see anything definite flying into the Pentagon except for the fact that, yeah, there was a great big bloody explosion. So I wonder if they would... That, that must have been some different camera somewhere or another because this is like last year. Mm, I don't know. Well, I know one of the blogs I was reading this morning said, uh, if you're the, just the slightest bit intelligent and keep up with current events, you'll realise that the footage they're trying to impress us with isn't new at all. In fact, uh -huh. that footage was available mere months after the whole attack, quote-unquote, even happened. I guess they figure we've let our guard down since then and they want to inject us with a new healthy dose of angst. Um, so here's what Judicial Watch's website says. It says... Uh, this is in response to your December 14, 2004 Freedom of, Inf Freedom of Information Act request, FOIA appeal of March 27, 2005, and complaint filed in the United States District Court of, for the District of Columbia, wrote William Kammer, Chief of the Department of Defense, Office of Freedom of Information. Now that the trial of Zacharias Musawi is over... I'd never get a job as a 6 o'clock newsreader. Musawi is over. We are able to complete your request and provide the video. 
But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't seem to be impressed with this video. Other quotes that I've seen on blogs today says, What a bunch of bullshit. The plane can be seen on one frame and one frame only of this blurry video and could have easily been digitally put into the picture. Another person says, Can you believe this new Pentagon video that was released today? More grainy video to try to debunk us that do not believe in the official version of 9-11. We must be winners because the news keeps trying to debunk us as liars or idiots. Okay, that person obviously just can't even fucking write. But, um, yeah, sorry, I'll say. <laughs> Oddly enough, the footage that's supposed to show the plane hitting the Pentagon doesn't actually even show the plane. Imagine that. The plane is conveniently covered up each time the camera snapped a picture. Well, it's not really covered up, but it's just real, it happens really fast and you just don't see much on it. Yeah, so, I mean, if it's flying at however fast planes fly, you know, I mean, we're talking what. Two, three, four hundred kilometres an hour. I don't know what they are at that level, but uh, and it's taking a photo every, uh, I don't know, what three a second. Yeah, it's probably only going to be in one frame. And and yeah, so the point is, you don't see much, um, and I'm sure it's not going to dull the conspiracy theories at all. In fact, it's probably just going to ramp them back up again. Uh, While we're talking of video footage, last night on uh, Aussie TV, Aussie News, they played the the taxi driver that got interviewed instead of, uh, what's that guy's name that we talked about the other day? They actually showed the footage. Mm, they showed the footage on TV, and they said that it was, it was well, their claim was that it wasn't a taxi driver, it was some guy that had showed up for an audition. So I, don't, I reckon the BBC's just made a complete big balls up and and don't know what to say. I found that amusing that it was on TV in Australia. A week after we talked. A week after. <laughs> a week after it actually happened. <laughs> and they wonder why they're uh, you know losing the plot. Um, yeah. Now I, I I wrote another thing in my blog the other day about Aussie newspapers in decline and denial. Do you see that? I did, and, and I was amused to see that uh, Mark Jones had also sort of said something and he mentioned that he'd spoken to you and he wasn't going to really say anything because he figured you were going to have a field day, which you did. <laughs> which I did. Yeah, so um, the Australian Financial Review, uh, for those of you who don't live in Australia, it's sort of our version of the Wall Street Journal, I guess. It's sort of our business newspaper. Uh and uh, one of our mates, Mark Jones, who's a great blogger. Unfortunately, he doesn't blog enough these days. But Jonesy's the uh, IT editor for the Australian Financial Review. Jonesy's uh, one of the guys in the mainstream media in this country who actually gets what's going on with the new media. But anyway, he's uh, he's got a job to do. Anyway, so they, they, their marketing editor, a guy called Neil Shoebridge, did a hilarious story on Monday called Newspapers Rise to the Challenge of the Internet. And it had yeah, quoted a bunch of uh, news organisations, newspaper CEOs in this country, saying shit like, "Newspapers are not facing and will never face an edge of the cliff type experience," and that they're all doing really well. But then it had all these graphs, basically showing that capital city newspaper sales in Australia have been steadily declining since 2001, that the per capita consumption of capital city newspapers has been declining since 1993. Especially the Monday to Friday numbers, they're just bottoming. 
Um, the Capital City commercial free-to-air TV stations are declining, their viewership from 2001. But the interesting thing was uh, the ABC uh, and SBS, which in this country the ABC is owned by the government and <clears throat> sort of the government broadcasting channel and the and SBS is sort of government supported. They're both our non-commercial quote-unquote stations, although they run some ads, but, you know. And their, their figures are actually up. Now, their numbers are lower than the commercial stations in terms of their viewership, but their numbers are actually going up. So, you know, and yet the, the commercial stations, you know, keep putting this bullshit reality TV fucking crap on and their numbers keep declining, yet the ABC and SBS, which tend to have intelligent programming, their numbers are going up. You'd think the commercial state, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to go, well, maybe if we put some intelligent programming on, people will watch. But no, they're just going, no, nah, we're going to just keep doing it. And eventually all those idiots will come around and realise that reality we, TV We know what's you. better for them. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I just love that the fact that uh, all of the graphs were showing that they're in steady decline and yet they're just in denial. All these you know, guys are going, no, it's all good. It's all good. We, 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 we're good. We're going to win. Uh, you know... People, newspapers rule. We're, 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 we're going to be here forever. Harold Mitchell, who's Australia's largest media buyer, said uh, newspaper sales are in long-term decline and it is difficult to see that reversing. New technologies are making it easier for people to get the information and entertainment they want when they want it. People no longer feel an urgent need to buy a newspaper or watch the TV news to find out what's going on. So I like that. Um, and But then in the comments, in my comments on this post, there's been some great stuff. Um, I'm going to do a shout-out to my mate Simon Sharwood. Now, Simon's a good bloke. Simon uh, was at uh, Upper Coolum when I was there, and he's a blogger. He writes a blog called uh, staycooldad.com, and he's a freelance journo now and, and does some PR stuff and some journal stuff. But he wrote a thing which there's these two enduring lines that, oh, here's Molly wants to come on. Oh, what? Hey, oh, hold on. Hold on. Molly Malone's coming on. Yeah, all right. Uh, anyway, might be coming on. So anyway, um, Simon Simon trotted out these two things that I love hearing from uh, journos. Okay, let's link Molly in. We'll do it with Molly. First time Molly's ever been on the show, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Molly Malone. G'day, mate. G'day, Molly. How you doing? Hey, Richard. Mate, your your connection sucks, dude. Where are you? Is it? I'm in Portland, Victoria. Where the hell is that? It's on the coast, near South Australia. Holy shit! It's the it's the birthplace of Victoria. Really. Yes, the uh, whalers came over here from Tasmania. You mean Tassie was settled before about, Victoria? About uh, 160 years ago. I was about to say. It Shit. was, I believe. Uh, mate, you're just full of news. Now, Molly... It was uh, where the whalers went. Molly, is this the first time you've ever been on G'day World? It is, and I'm going to start... Hold on a second, because I'm answering the phone. Hold on. <laughs> Hello, Phil speaking. Molly Phillip, a.k.a. Molly, has uh, has been, you know, one of our listeners since day one. One of our most prolific 
commenters and listeners. Him. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> been on since pretty well day one, hasn't he? He has, I think. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't stop yeah, him answering the phone it. when he's on the show. And, you know, he, he couldn't just hang up and say, sorry, I'm busy or anything like that. He has to go. And uh, having a casual conversation. It's yeah, not, yeah, not like it's an important yeah, business conversation, yeah. like he's trying to sell some stock or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. He's just, you know, oh, fuck, fuck Cam and Rich. I'll just leave them waiting there. I mean, <laughs> and they're 27 listeners. Fuck them. They're not important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. We should call him. You don't have his landline number, do you? I cut him off. <laughs> That'll teach you. <laughs> Sorry, Mole. Yeah, you blew your chance, mate. You blew it. You had a chance and you blew it. Um, so Simon's trotted, so getting back to the journalist, Simon's trotted out these two stories. One is that newspapers are trusted brands. Oh, we have trusted brands. He says, uh, blah, blah, blah. People trust Newspapers because they employ skilled and experienced people to discover, present and filter information. I do not see an alternative emerging to the source of trust that newspapers represent. Now, I challenge that because I've seen a lot of surveys in the last five years and every survey indicates that people trust journalists less than they trust used car salesmen and politicians. I agree. I think he's... Absolutely mistaken. I think people buy newspapers because they know the quality and type of news they're getting, but they don't buy it because they trust them. I think everybody knows that it's so filtered by uh, an organisation that they're going to get a slanted point of view. And, uh, you know, I think that people... I don't know why they think people trust it. I mean, yes, people buy it and people read it because that's what they've been doing for 150 years and because, uh, you know, they haven't had any options for those 150 years. So they, they've kind of been trained to do that. But now that they're starting to get options, obviously they're going, they're doing other things with their spare time. That's why the sales are declining. All right, Molly, you ready to talk to us now, you bastard? I am, I am. Sorry about that. Welcome I'm looking back. after my mum, so I'm answering the phone. All right, Molly, we're just talking about... So what are you guys... you got a better connection now as well. He sounds a bit better, yeah. We're talking about whether or not newspapers are trusted sources of information. Molly, do you trust newspapers? Uh, not overly, a little bit. I mean, I think they have a, have a place and they report some of the news correctly. I think some of their opinions are a bit tainted, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I think. I think um, they're not not as bad as you might make them out. I think they they have their place and that they do they do report some of the information. But uh, do you buy newspapers? As I said on one of Cam's posts, the only newspaper I really buy is the Sunday paper to get the TV guide these days, right, because yeah. I read them online. I, I still read their content online. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Cam would have already said that you know. I'm pretty much into sport, including AFL, and so I the first places that I do check out are the AFL sites from the from um, the Molly, two big you've, papers you've in Melbourne. You've been on the show for less than thirty seconds, <laughs> and, and you're already building up a plug for your AFL podcast. You're absolutely no, hopeless. I've learned from the best. Oh come on! I learned from the best. Who's the best? Who was that? Uh, I think you are, Cam. I think you're pretty good at it. Oh, come on. I do not shamelessly promote myself every chance I get, www.cameronreilly.com. Um, uh, anyway, let's get, show. 
Let's get back to the uh, newspapers. So Simon Sharwood was saying on that, that post I wrote the other day that newspapers are a trusted source. And I was saying in my response and just before on the show that I've seen all these surveys over the last five years that indicate that journalists rank lower than used car salesmen and politicians on people's trust scale. So I don't know. I'm not buying this story. I don't know why they think they're trusted. People have been buying newspapers for 150 years because they didn't have much choice. That doesn't mean they're trusted. I mean, I, I people were using Telstra for their phone service for 100 years as well, but everyone hates their guts. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're trusted just because they're the only option, and I think this is no different. And Australia is probably one of the, I don't know, here, here I go, I'll speculate a bit because I'm making a few assumptions, but um, Australia seems to be one of the worst places for newspapers because we don't have many choices. I think you guys have probably got more over there in Victoria, but certainly here in, in WA our choices are really limited. Well, that's because not many people can read in WA. You don't really need newspapers. You just <laughs> need things with big pictures. Oh, hang on. You have to read newspapers. Oh, we're talking um, about different things. You just need I lots was... of pictures of topless girls and utes. Oh yeah, and, 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 you, and you wouldn't know and which one. Big wheels. That's right. People, People Magazine. That's a that's a newspaper, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I, saying that newspapers are trusted to me is like Saddam Hussein going, "Well, I ruled Iraq for 15 years. I'm trusted. The people love me." No, they didn't have a choice, Saddam. Hey, I've been really for 20 years. I must be trusted. Do you like that analogy, or is that just great? Yeah. Trust me, oh, or I'll shoot you. Um, the other thing that the, the other classic that Simon trots out is that, uh, and this pisses me off, people are and will remain passive media consumers. Many many people are either uncritical or so time poor that the idea of sorting their own media is far fetched. Why look for a blogger when the New York Times has great writers? Now. This, this is a, I hear this all the time from people in mainstream media. Oh, people are passive media. Basically what they're saying is people are dumb. They don't want to make decisions about what they read, watch and listen to. They just want to sit down in front of the first thing that makes it easy for them. Now, I get insulted when people say that and I, I, I wonder why they think our media consumption is any different from every other aspect of our lives. We, we are saturated with choice. Now, some people will argue we have too many choices in life, and this causes for a lot of depression, but we, we, we are inundated with choice in every other avenue of our lives. Go to a supermarket and figure out which brand of toothpaste you're going to buy. There's 57 bloody brands. You don't, you don't hear supermarkets going, oh, no, we're only going to give people one you know, version of toothpaste because they don't like choice. Fuck off! Now, but the media has got it into their heads that just because people didn't have choice for 150 years, they don't want choice. And that, that shits me to tears. And I, I just keep thinking the longer the media tell themselves those two lies and believe their own bullshit, the longer they keep sucking on their own exhaust pipe, uh, the, the longer their sales are going to be in decline. And that explains why they show reality TV, right? Because they've got, they're in the assumption that people just want to sit down, turn on and dumb out. Right. And look, maybe did you read? A, um, did yeah, you read Mark Cuban's post on this very subject? Oh, he recently posted about uh, in the last few days. He posted about he he analysed. He, he must have. I didn't read the post before, but he must have had a go at uh, the newspapers, and then he followed it up by saying, "Well, uh, as as a lot of people would know, he owns the Dallas Mavericks basketball team, and uh, he was commenting on what he did after a game and what news sources he checked out." And 
he basically uh, said that uh, the local newspapers to him actually had the best coverage, that the online sources or the mainstream online sources like uh, ESPN, which is considered the world leader in sports, um, it actually just regurgitated the, uh, was it the APT or ATP or whatever it is the news sources that uh, everyone uses, the same stories and that most of the online sources had the same story by the same, you know, writer, but some of the local papers had different analysis and different stats and the likes. And so he said that he actually found reading the local papers in that respect was actually helpful, but uh, he also mentioned that he, he went out and, and looked at his ice rocket searches and, and local forums to get the fans' view and and to get just that dif- different perspective that uh, the social, you know, the social media sort of picks up. Hmm. So what do you take away from all that? What's the point? Well, I think what he says is that the the local media sources, like I guess in in his case it's the Dallas papers, and you know, in our source would be the Melbourne papers, give you give you more in depth coverage of a story, whereas the online ones tend you to give the quick grab, the the very sanitised view. Um, now, whether people read that as a newspaper or go to the website of the newspaper and read it these days, you know, that's probably debatable. I mean, I know I do that. I read the, the online version of most of these papers. But but I think what he was saying was that um, he went on to say something like that the online ones should really assume that everyone's going to have this, that same story from the APT and, and to, uh, to them they're better off going to give different point of views from their authors and the likes rather than just regurgitating that same story that every that you know everyone's going to have anyway. Hmm. You know, I, I go to www.news.com.au probably once a day and it's usually around midday because I feel like having a break and reading something dumb. <laughs> and literally that's the only time I go to a, a real news media source. Otherwise it's... You know, all the information I get now is through Tech Memory Memorandum and all of the aggregated blogs that I read, and, and that gives me all the information I need to know. There you go. But one one thing on that, though, guys, is that that's sort of the tech news, which, I mean, let's face it, the local papers don't really cover very well. I mean, in Melbourne, I believe the, the Age and the Australian have a section one day a week, but basically they don't really have a lot of tech news, especially the blogging and... Yeah, because I'm, I'm probably like the average person and have an interest in particular subjects. It just happens to be tech, but it's the same as everybody. I mean, you, you like footy, right? Um, so I'm, I'm yep. assuming a lot of news you go to is about footy, but, you know, you could just quite as easily go to a few, you know, good blogs that talk about footy and, and see what they have stuff to say as well, and they'll probably report on stuff just as quick as the... In fact, you're better off going there than the AFL website because the AFL website filters everything that they write because <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they've, it's their commercial business to ensure that only the right news about the AFL gets published. That's that's actually very funny because there was a case last earlier in the year where the same story was reported on one of the independent um, sites and it was actually syndicated to the AFL site and it had two separate headings by the editors. On the syndicated side, it had um, uh, a negative heading about um, one of the stadiums here, but on the AFL side, it had a had a more positive spin on the story <laughs> as the as the heading. So so you're right, they do have a very um, a very tainted view, the AFL site, but there are some good ones out there. 
Uh, and my point that I was trying to make in the post too is that newspapers haven't even faced a frontal assault from digital technology yet. Uh, we, in, until we've got some sort of digital form factor that is as portable, lightweight, uh, and durable as a newspaper, they ha- they aren't really going to face a serious threat. And we're, a, you know, we seem to be a fair way away from that. Uh, I don't think PDAs and mobile phones or tablet PCs are, uh, are, are really going to face that threat head on. But you know, there's a lot of work happening in the area of in the area of um, diffracted optics. Uh, some Israeli firms came out recently, diffractive planar optics, where they're making flexible, you know, screens that are lightweight and can supposedly, you know. You can put a lot of stuff on. So, you know, it's feasible to me that in the next five to ten years, we may see a technology form factor that can go head-to-head with newspapers, but um, we don't have it yet. But, you know, they're already declining without that. The point is that when that comes along, I reckon they're uh, dead and buried. But anyway, let's move on. AOL. Michael Arrington at TenCrunch says that AOL is going to come out with a uh, direct competitor to YouTube called AOL Uncut. And uh, it's currently in beta. But uh, the interesting thing for me is, is that it's powered by VideoEgg. Now, Molly, you remember oh. VideoEgg. I had the CEO. I do. I- yeah, I remember you played with it. when I, I had the CEO, Kevin Sladek, on the show November last year after meeting. I met Kevin uh, when I was in New York in October. We had a few drinks at a little soiree one night. Nice guy. Really, really nice guy. Yeah, I found it quite good. Um, one of the things I liked of it compared to what I made quick playing with YouTube was, and this might sound silly, but during the uploads, it actually gave you a status of what you're uploading, which might sound silly, but it was actually quite useful to know that something was happening and that the upload was going ahead. Um, I, I actually found another site, and I, I don't have it handy because, as I say, I met my mum's but and haven't really prepared, but uh, there was a, a free vlog site that uh, had some very good tutorials on um, how to set up a video blog. And it actually pointed to Blip TV, which is an interesting one. Um, a bit like YouTube in that it gave you a flash, flash player, but it also allowed you to have um, the actual download available, which to me was very nice because I thought um, whenever, you, whenever you put up one of those YouTube-type um, video blog entries on your blog... It's all right for people visiting your site, but the RSS feed sort of gets neglected because not many of the RSS readers um, uh, show that properly. So to have able to add a download in and actually have that coming up as a video podcast as well was actually quite a nice feature of it. But the video egg was very good. I think it. I, I didn't play with all the features. Sorry. I didn't play with all the features of video egg of uploading from a video camera because most of my videos came off my. Um, just digital still camera, and I just uploaded them. Originally, right. it was part of Brightpad, and then they opened it up now. Well, it's good for Kevin. I'd love to know what he's uh, getting paid from AOL for this. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be huge. It's interesting, though, you know, that uh, Jason Calacanis, if you've been reading his blog, has been slagging off YouTube mercilessly for the last six months, calling them criminals <laughs> and all sorts of stuff for allowing... You know, people to put up uh, copyrighted video there where they don't own the copyright, obviously. And now that, you know, his employer uh, is now <laughs> ripping them off, interesting to see how he spins that. Yeah, that will be fun to watch. I haven't been over to Jason's site today, but uh, I'll have to go check it out. 
But this whole area is pretty exciting, and I mean, you know, it's fascinating that AOL are going to do it, but there's just a plethora of them out there now. It's just ramping up like no man's business, and it's going to have have to play out, you know, like it, it can't continue. I mean, there can't be much money in it shortly because they'll just have so many different sites that you can upload videos. It's all disaggregated. Mm. Yeah, I don't it's really... It's very get interesting to see how people are using it, though. I noticed that, um, as I pointed out to Cam, that realestate.com.au started up a viral campaign and put their, their little ad up there on uh, YouTube. And while I was over there looking at that, I noticed that one of the um, smaller wrestling federations in the US, which you know a lot of people are into, are actually putting videos up there. It seems like they're the ones putting the videos up there before people are just yeah. you know recording it off their shows and putting it up. Yeah, and I, I mean I'm uh, working on a video campaign for TPN at the moment, which I plan to put out you know across all of the video sort of sites. I met with a couple of ad agencies yesterday, and I'm, uh, I met with the guys who run the International Portable Film Festival as well about trying to tap into their database of uh, filmmakers to try and create... Well, I'm planning on creating a competition around it. I think we talked about this the other day, didn't we, Rich? We did. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but so, yeah, it, it's, it's becoming an interesting uh, medium, I guess, for getting particularly Gen Y people to watch video because they're obviously not watching telly. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what the business model is. Uh, you know, obviously there's ads on the sites. I haven't seen them auto-inserting ads into your videos yet. You would imagine that that has to be uh, somebody's game plan at some stage. You know, they'll yeah, auto-insert there is, an ad. <clears throat> there is somebody that's all already said that they're in that business. Uh, I haven't seen anything that they've done yet. I think it could be something they're going to launch soon. But, yeah, somebody's working on that one. Yeah. I know with I know with Video Egg when you upload a video there it um, mentions that they may in the future put ads in and uh, it has a little tick box to say whether you want to be notified when they're going to start putting ads into your video. So mm. the other thing too, Cam, is I mentioned to you on the Father Bob show when you were looking for video um, places that why wouldn't you use something like YouTube? And you mentioned that you didn't trust the stats on it. Now I thought the other advantage of the YouTube though is where people take your content and put it on their site, but you still get the credit for it because it, it tracks who's linking to your videos and the likes. Yeah, no, it's a good point, mate. I, I guess we should start thinking about that. Um, we're, we're trying to build our own uh, Flash video uh, tool that can run on our servers, and, and it's it just means that we can keep track of all of the stats in one place. I don't have to go over and look at YouTube stats and, and start aggregating them from lots of different sources when I do stats time. But um, yeah, that, that might be something to you know start doing at least in the early stages as we try and help you know build the TPN brand. Do, do they have open APIs that you could monitor? Don't know, don't know. Good question, mate. Don't know. Be interesting. Um, Google Notebook is out. You, either of you guys played with that? No, I um, noticed that they. When was it? Somebody mentioned it the other day, and I went to the site, and it actually had a link, and it actually redirected to Google slash NP or something like that, or Google Labs NP or whatever it is. But at the time, it wasn't available. So you've had a play. I just installed it um, while you two were rabbiting on before. <laughs> Multitasking, good to see, mate. 
<laughs> so yeah, but now I have to restart Firefox for it to work. Uh, oh, here we go. Get started with Google Notebook. Congratulations, you've successfully downloaded Google Notebook. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there any point? What do I do here? Do I, do I write? Well, somebody pointed out that it's like delicious. Well, I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I, I did read that it's in TechCrunch, like, I think. But well, that, yeah, having not used it, I don't know. But they they seem to suggest that what you do is you grab clippings or um, like bookmark websites that you're visiting, and which is strange, right? Notebook to me, I thought it was going to be a place where I could, you know, write and share notes. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. What does it say? Clip and collect information as you surf the web. Stay in your browser window. Organize your notes from the web page you're on. Yeah, so I, you know, I've got it. Uh, there's sort of a Firefox. Uh, I'm just trying to call me here. Just kill that. Um, you know, I, I've got a Firefox extension installed for it, which um, is available through Google's Notebook site when you install Notebook. Um, and then you can sort of, you know, block some text on a website, right-click, and in your right-click menu you get, note this, Google Notebook. And so you click that, and it basically adds that text, uh, a little sort of pop-up window, like a G-Talk window kind of thing, little Java pop-up window appears inside your browser that says My Notebook, and uh, it copies the text in there plus a link to where you got it from. So uh, I don't know if I'm terribly excited about this. No, it'll be interesting to see. I'll have a play with it. Although it does say system requirements, Windows XP or Linux may not work with Mac OS X. When are you going to get the hint, man? <laughs> Mate, I'm now self-employed, so I'm stuffed. I can't go out and buy another laptop. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, you could probably sell your laptop, your, your your Apple iBook, and buy like four Windows laptops for you know what it's even worth secondhand, man. They're so such a ripoff. Oh yeah, I wonder if maybe I could sign it and and it'd be worth more. Ah yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Whose name are you going to sign on it? Hey, <laughs> who am I going to get to sign it? So the other big news in the last couple of days was uh, free Skype out for the US and Canada. Yeah, wow, hey. Up until but, the end of the yeah, year. That's cool. But not in Australia. Have you heard anything about them possibly doing it in Australia? I've heard possibly doing it in Europe, but no rumours about them doing it in Australia. Mind you, even if they were, even if there were rumours about them possibly doing it in Australia, we're so small that the rumour probably would never get here. Um, <laughs> I think. I mean, it makes sense that they do North America and Europe. Uh, I'd love for them to to do it in Australia, but uh, we can we hold hope for that to happen. But we'll see. So yeah, I find I found I, I actually can add to that. Um, I work for a US company, and so we have uh, VPN access to the US. So last night I gave it a little try and saw if I was connected VPN to the to our US company, whether it showed me up as a US citizen, and it actually does work mm-hmm. through our company anyway. So I actually. Because I actually, being being uh, uh, out of town, and my wife's at, in Melbourne still, I I bought my first Skype out minutes and tried that last night, and I was just interested. Well, I wonder if it does work, and it and it seems to work. So if you've got some way of uh, fiddling your IP address to appear to be a US IP address, it may actually work. Mm. So cool. let's let's think a little bit about the implications of this. Uh, why would they do it, 
and what do they hope to get out of it? What's it going to mean? So do you think this is, you know, a, a marketing tool to encourage more people to look at the site? One of the places I read suggested that the reason they're probably doing it is because they're not on target. eBay have set them specific targets that we don't know. Nobody's actually uh, at eBay or Skype have released what their targets are, but one of which is how many users they have. And um, when they reach those goals, obviously the founders, I can't remember their names, um, get certain uh, a certain amount. And I think it was something like 1.5 billion or something ridiculous like that. And so therefore they think that this is them trying to ramp up quickly to meet that target, which probably happens to be the end of the year or something. But who knows? I mean, that, that whether that was speculation or a bit of knowledge, uh, that's yet to be confirmed. God damn, if, I mean, if Skype's numbers aren't good enough for eBay, <laughs> eBay must have some pretty, some pretty steep goals. I mean, you know, well, they've, they've, they've kind of, they've slowed down, right? I mean, they're not as, uh, they're not, not moving as quickly as they used to. I mean, I remember when, you know, you were looking at and every month it would probably jump a, a million users online, whereas now it's sort of, you know, stabilised. Really? Yeah, yeah. Nah, come on. I'd love to see. I'd love to see um, a graph. That'd be nice. I'm sure. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? I've got him somewhere in here in my Skype list. He, he no doubt will have probably put something on his blog. So I'll go. I'll go do some digging. I might have something for the next show or something about uh, how many how many Skype users have now adopted it. From the guy who does the Skype blog. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him from when I've. First started recording Skype calls, we were chatting about how the hell to do it 18 months ago. Uh, Have they done anything to integrate it with eBay yet? Has anyone heard? I, I know that was any. their argument. That was their yeah, argument. That was Meg, Whitman's, it was Meg Whitman's argument when they bought it was they were going to integrate it. But no, I, I don't think I have seen it. They've got... Uh, here we go. There's three, according to Skype at the moment, there's 3,607,194 users online right now. Yeah, which, okay. as I say, has slowed. Because I remember a year ago it was, uh, I can't remember, it was a mil or two mil or something like that, but it, it mm. was certainly ramping up really quickly and it, it's it, within months they were adding millions. So why would it be slowing down? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the typical, um, what's the uh, chasm, crossing yep. the chasm type thing, you know? So they've gone through all the early adopters, and now they've got to take it into the mainstream. Mm. And I guess we've got some competitors now. G-Talk, um, a few others. Also, um, I don't know if you guys have heard, I know one of the persons at work has gone with one of the local voiceover IPs replacing their phone with that. And she says, I'm not sure whether it's right, but it's, it's like 10 cents anywhere in Australia for a call, which seems pretty yeah, good Yeah, I mean, I, I use iInet for my landline. Well, I use it for my whole um, comms to the house, right, which happens to use voice over IP. And I can make a landline call for 10 cents to any of the capital cities. Um, that's, you know, an unlimited amount of time. Um so, yeah, I mean, people are doing that. And then, then there are other, you know, third parties that will add stuff to your phone or, you know, you'll have a, a little set-top unit or something along those likes. So it, it's it's around. 
I'd just like to say thank you to David Jones, who uh, about five minutes ago went up to Ratleaf and said he admires my work, gave me a positive rating. Thank you, David. You're a good bloke. <laughs> Obviously, MSN Messenger must be having some problems today. <laughs> Judging by the 400 comments I've had uh, to my blog uh, on a post that I wrote ooh, two years ago, course oh no february th- yeah february 2nd 2005 so last year saying uh, msm messenger is down i wrote that post right back then and it's had like a billion comments since then and i can i can always tell whenever msm messenger's got problems because i suddenly start getting another billion comments on this blog post yep. <laughs> must be having problems uh, today because it's just getting swamped so they uh, they should hire you as an indicator well, I've been actually trying to think how I put a better ad. You know, I've just got AdSense running on this, and I'm thinking I should put uh, a big fracking, you know, screw MSN Messenger, get GTalk ad, or get <laughs> Skype ad in the middle of this. Same, the, the other most popular blog post I ever did was the one about how to uh, reset your iPod when it freezes. I get like, you know, 50 comments on that a week, and have done for the last two years since I put it up there, you know. I figure I've got to put a better ad in there as well. <laughs> Which you then followed on by the Mr. iPod tech support man, and then you had all your troubles. Yeah. Mind you, my, you know, <laughs> I've, I've had my new video iPad for a couple of weeks now, and it's, you know, I haven't had to get the hard drive replaced on it. I'm impressed. Haven't found any good video to watch. Uh, let me talk about the uh, Portable Film Festival, and then we're going to get the guys on uh, in the show probably, I don't know, what day is it today? Wednesday? Maybe Friday? Maybe early next week we'll get them on. Um the Portable Film Festival, this is a great idea. These guys uh, are Melbourne boys, Andrew and uh, Simon. had lunch with them yesterday. Uh, they launched this thing called the Portable Film Festival 2006. It's basically like Tropfest. The way I've been describing it to people, it's Tropfest for the iPod. Right? So they're basically putting a shout-out around the world, trying to get people to submit... Uh, oh, okay. Rich has just did me a thing about Skype. Yeah, so, so sorry, mate. You're paying attention then, Rich. Sorry, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, just quickly, while we're, uh, while we may as well, we may as well dispel my useless, um, assumptions because the graphs that I'm looking at here show that the, the adoption certainly hasn't tapered off. Um, it's probably continued its growth path from last year. Yeah, it's going, you know, straight up, man. It's looking awesome. So stop talking shit, Rich. Yeah. And even and the Skype users yeah, online's gone up too. Yeah, man, all these. Well, that's what up. I'm looking at. I'm not looking at the downloads because I think downloads is a bit of a farce in some respects because I've downloaded it several times to my True, Mac because yeah. every time they upgrade it. But the yeah. users online are as steady as a rock, right? I mean, it's continued. It's it hasn't changed the angle of. Ascent um, since uh, 08, 04, so yeah. you know in 2004. So it's been growing at the same rate. Yeah, that's a good. That's linear a good growth, I believe they call that. A what? What? Linear growth. I'm still in a company, so we still talk about that sort of uh, stuff. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's actually exponential growth, mate. It's curving up. It is actually. Oh, so, oh, so I don't have the graph. You said it was a straight line. It, oh, it, no, it, no, it's curving up. It does, yeah, it's marginally curving up. He's right. Uh, let me just put that in the link. Skype growth continues despite Rich's... Rubbish. Uh, <laughs> Bullshit. <projections. laughs> um, 
So what was I talking about before that? You're talking about the guys oh, the portable, the film portable video. Yeah, so check it out. It's portablefilmfestival.com. Um, and I think nominations are going to end in June and then they're, they're actually going to run it in sort of September. Now it's the winners and they're going to put it out as an RSS feed and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to figure out a way to sort of uh, promote it via TPN, maybe try and put a feed to their uh, winning entries up on TPN. We're going to try and do some stuff together. But they're cool guys. And it's, again, it's cool to see some Aussies that are doing this. This is the first iPod film festival that I'm aware of. You know, iFilm and all these sorts of guys are doing video and, you know, your Google videos and all that kind of shit. But I, I haven't seen a lot of them chuck it out as a, an RSS feed. With, and picking the high-quality stuff and putting it out. I found it really hard to find high-quality video podcasts to watch. Although I launched a new one today on TPN. It's almost up. I'm just waiting for the host. Uh, hi, I'm Scott Coombs, who's the host. Um, is the Martial Arts Explorer video podcast on TPN. MartialArts.thepodcastnetwork.com Little, uh, mm. you know, five or five-minute, uh, ten-minute sort of lessons on martial arts each week, uh, showing you how to do some real self-defense. I, I like this first episode. This was the pilot they did for me, too. It uh, shows you how to get somebody in a finger lock. Cool. <laughs> you know, somebody comes up and starts poking you in the chest when they're getting aggressive, <laughs> how to get them in a finger lock and basically, you know, put them on the ground in two seconds with a finger lock. Really good practical stuff like that. I'm really excited about it. So. Uh, oh. Excellent. Martial arts. The podcast. Yeah, but I found it really hard to get good quality video podcasts. The boys from the Portable Film Festival and I were talking about that yesterday. How there's a lot of video there, even on YouTube and these sorts of sites. A lot of video, but a lot of it's crap. Trying to find the good quality stuff, the stuff that you actually want to watch, is really hard. A lot of it is just shite. Well, I shouldn't say that. I should say the vast majority of it has a very small audience who are going to find it interesting, <laughs> and I'm not one yeah. of them. Anyway, that's just me. All right, boys, let's wrap this bitch up. Have you got anything else to uh, tell me about? Any other? Hey, I just want to, yeah, one, one other thing, man. Um, well, actually, two other things. Um, what is it? All of MP3 is down. Yeah. No, it's what? Been down since the weekend, um, saying uh, the server is closed for maintenance. Oh, I did notice that, yeah, on the yeah, weekend. Yeah, and it's been down since the weekend, so the speculation is that they've gone. They've done a runner or something. Well, I don't know. It's, but, it's, it's uh, back up now. Come back. Hmm? It's up. It's up at the moment. I just went there and okay. it's all of MP3. It, it, some people have said that the client. So I don't know if you're using what's the client called. All chains. Um, all chains. Some say the client has still been working, but if you go to the website, allofmp3.com. I'm there right now, dude. Allofmp3.com. It's up. Oh, okay, it's come back then. Well, it's that's good. It was down, definitely down yesterday, and it, it had been down, you know, over the weekend. So there was a lot of speculation. Oh well, that's good news. So oh, actually, that. that reminds me, I, I've been meaning to go up to it um, uh, for the last couple of days and get um, some Yoko Ono albums. <laughs> oh dear, why? Um, well, why? <laughs> well, there's this great podcast I'm going to link to that I found, I stumbled across, across a few days ago. It's uh, it's up on RollingStone.com. And it's there's five of them. They're both they're all sort of thirty to forty minutes long. And it's one big interview that they did with John Lennon and Yoko Ono, but principally John with Yoko just sticking a bit in every now and again. Um, uh, Ray sticking her bit in and Yoko Ono. <laughs> 
really tense. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, lost, I lost my train of thought there as well. Um, and I just went to Google it and wrote Rolling a Stone, which is not right. Who was the name of the founder of Rolling Stone? Um, Jan Wenner. Jan Wenner, who's one of my idols, even though I couldn't remember his name. Because, you know, I, I often think I'd love to do with TPN, with new media, what he did with Rolling Stone, you know, in the early days. Create something that's really relevant and... and Anyway, so anyway, uh, he did this interview with uh, John Lennon, uh, and I don't know... I haven't been able to work out actually when it was. Obviously, it was before he died. But uh, it's quite lengthy. It's like hours and hours of interview, which he obviously turned into a story, but it's... Um, oh, here we are. This, this might be uh, a story on it here. Hold on. Hold on, don't move. I found a story. I'm waiting for it to come up. ABC local. Yeah, 1970. Yeah, yeah, here it is. So it was a 1970 interview that went for hours. And they've put it all up on Rolling Stone as a podcast. So actually, it's five podcasts, right? It's five parts. And it's fascinating, man. Absolutely fascinating. The sound quality is not great because Jan wasn't mic'd. He was just miking John. Um, so they've, you know, when Jan asks a question, they've boosted his background audio and it's very, very hard to hear, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the John stuff's quite clear, but it's fascinating, man. I mean, John just talks for hours and hours and hours about everything. The Beatles split, uh, Yoko and Yoko's art. And he just raves about Yoko as being one of the great geniuses of all time, which I've always thought, you know, I've never really tried to get into Yoko's stuff and I should probably go and, and get some of it. Um, he talks about his solo album that he'd just come out with, and he, he talks about all the Beatles solo albums and slags them all off, slags off Paul extensively. Um, but it's just, and he talks about the sort of art that he likes and what he was into and the Maharishi stuff and everything. It's just everything. It's just awesome. Or if you're a John Lennon fan, or if, even if you're just a music fan, it's absolutely must listen. So, uh, yeah, check it out. The uh, other bit of news before I remind you about your, um, was it the Flat World or whatever it is, uh, the book you're reading? Oh, World is Flat. World is Flat. Before you do, before you talk about that, um, Flickr's out of beta, and and I hope it's a oh. joke, but <laughs> they've got to Gamma. Um, <laughs> oh, I saw that link somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I seriously hope they, they lose the gamma. I mean, I think it's, it's a bit of a... You know, it's funny, but it, it, hopefully they're not serious because let's just carry on and use the damn thing and forget about betas and gammas. But but they've done a bunch of changes, so there's um, some you know fairly major differences, which like we'll what? see what my publisher thinks. But, uh, yeah. Is your book out yet? Yeah. Yeah, it was out, uh, I don't oh, know. That's right. You offered to send me ago. a copy. Yeah. I did, yeah. And I said, nah. But that should allow you to do a second edition, shouldn't it, Rich? No, well, it depends version, yeah. how well this one's selling. Is it? Have you got uh, Well, yeah, you get them quarterly, so I, I don't really know. And the, I got the first quarter numbers, but the, because the book had only been out like a week or two, it, you know, you can't really uh, uh, read anything into it. So we'll, we'll see in uh, another couple of months, I guess, how uh, how the sales are going. And it's it's really difficult to track on Amazon. I don't even think it's worthwhile looking. Um, obviously, because my target audience probably aren't even really Amazon readers, which is kind of strange for an application like Flickr but it's aimed at people that, that want to know how to use the service and are probably more than likely going to buy it in a bookstore so we'll see what happens 
I mean, the good news for me is that with them coming out of beta, even though they've gone into gamma, um, it should ramp up a bit more publicity for them and therefore uh, hopefully book sales go up. I just went and had a look at the uh, supposed new features that they've got in the gamma release and it doesn't look like anything too exciting or revolutionary. No, no, it's not. It's it's basically some user interface changes and, it, and it's nothing major. So it looks like Organizer is probably the thing that's changed the most from what I can gather. And I haven't looked at it yet because I only found out when we started the podcast. Uh, yeah, so thanks for reminding me about The World is Flat. I've been reading Thomas Friedman's book uh, for the last few days, last week maybe, and it's fantastic. I highly recommend it to anybody uh, You should read this. Even Father Bob's reading it and uh, extracting his own... <laughs> His own theories out of it. I love but, the uh, photos that you have of him on Flickr, by the way, wearing an ACDC T-shirt. That's great. pretty funny. Yeah, he was on the front cover of um, Melbourne Weekly magazine last year with that with uh, that T-shirt on, and um, I wanted to use it to. We wanted we're doing up some. Um, we've got a guy, one of the listeners, doing up some um, stencil art templates and posters. We're, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. put around Melbourne. To advertise the podcast and the new um, thing that he and I are doing, a new charity thing. Um, but I was trying to get permission to use that photo, and they were just being too difficult. I said, oh, fuck it, I'll just take my own. <laughs> I said, get the T-shirt out, put it on, I'll take my own. It's, it's a classic thing. But um, anyway, so the world is flat. And, and a couple of the things that um, I really appreciated out of the book was him explaining how the dot-com crash really drove the whole outsourcing in India movement. And then talking about how China joining the World Trade Organization in December 2001 really drove the whole offshoring movement. He has all these different flattening principles, all these things that led to the flattening of the world. And he talks about the net and Netscape and uh, Windows, sort of domination of Windows and that kind of stuff. And, and then he talks about some of these things, outsourcing and offshoring and insourcing. And it's just a lot of stuff that I thought I understood. And I did understand a lot of it, but, but he has so much more and puts it in a completely different context. Absolutely must read book if you're interested in what's sort of happening at the moment around the world, how technology mm-hmm is changing the way that we're collaborating globally, both uh, from a business perspective and also from an individual perspective. But I'm going to leave you with this. This was my quote I read in it last night, and I thought this was perfect. You've, you've all heard the saying that fortune favours the bold. I think yep. Napoleon may have said that. Yep. Well, Louis Pasteur apparently said, fortune favours the prepared mind. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Okay. So get out there and prepare yourselves, people. Molly, thanks for coming on the show, finally, buddy. No worries, Cam. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, mate. How's your second life? Island going, Rich, or property? Yeah, well, the property's all right. You know, little dinky thing on the on the ocean, just somewhere to to invite people and chat. And I think I've had one conversation there in the whole time I've owned the damn place. <laughs> Well, Molly, um, Rich and I are talking about hiring our mafia guy to have Adam Curry whacked inside a second life. What do you reckon? Uh, I will donate to that, just for a joke. <laughs> I think it would be very funny. Uh, I reckon it'll be good too. Uh, I'm just wondering if we get virtually sued in TPN, in uh, Second Life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I if thought, there's I any lawyers the set up in there, but there's a business opportunity. I, I thought you might just TPN or... Graffiti it or something. Oh, there's a good idea. His castle. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, let's think about that. All right, guys, got to go. Got to go do a Napoleon show. Talk to you later. Okay. See you, mate. See you, guys. Bye, world.